Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Everyone thinks I had a storybook career, that I just sprang into Disney Channel stardom overnight, made millions, and lived happily ever after. Spoiler alert, I didn't. There were countless failures along the way, and there still are. How I deal with that struggle and how I pivot when failure creeps in is what allows me to keep going, keep learning, and keep striving for balance. The Vulnerable Podcast is an invitation to hang out every week with me, Christy Carlson Romano, as I invite friends, celebrities, and experts for in-depth conversations discussing the good, the complicated, the beauty of being human, and what it means to be vulnerable. Join me every Tuesday as we navigate the ups and downs of my guests' paths to success. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. If he kicks this, he can shave whichever part of his body he wants. This week's episode of the Attacking Scrum podcast, as bonkers days for Welsh rugby goes, this one is, uh, I think it's right up there. So it's only right that we've assembled uh, the most bonkers lineup we can do. And the mighty Murph is with us. How are you, Murph? Very well. Yourself? Yeah, good. Thank you. And Daniel Killick's here as well. He only, he only comes out for he only comes out for the biggest news, and he's trying to he's trying to take credit for getting Warren Gatlin this job. So uh, so Dan's come to gloat. How are you, Dan? Very good, Jed. Thanks. Yeah, he's on the phone to Gatland then a few moments to go, just saying uh, congrats on the role. Yeah, right. He's uh, no, yeah. you, you were you were, gut, you were gutted. He didn't get a job. Uh, he didn't get a job at Twickenham, so you could flog him a house, weren't you? Maybe, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, God, so much to get through, fellas. Absolutely, so much to get through. 
Obviously, the headline is uh, the big news that broke this morning. Wayne Pivak is now officially gone. Warren Gatland is back. Um, I don't know, perhaps that was a, a little bit quicker than I was expecting the WRU to um, to act. Um, start with you, Dan. The right choice, or is it ever as good the second time around? What do you think? I'm pleased with it, really pleased. And I know it's, it seems to have got a really mixed reaction, doesn't it? That, um, you know, people either in Gatlin's camp or out saying that it's, you know, what does it say about Welsh rugby? But I think we've got to put it into context, I think, that the, the, the mess that we've been in, there is a man there that's got, you know, the stats don't lie at all. And he knows, he knows how to select a team. He's got a proven track record. And I think that, you know, with the state of the Welsh games in, he knows it better than anybody else. He probably doesn't have all the answers, but I think it's a, it's a great appointment and, you know, really encouraging that he's got a longer, you know, potentially a longer term deal that could, um, they could see him with us for being with us for five years. And I think the key part now is just to make sure that there's, there is a proper succession plan. So I'm very, very pleased. Yeah, this is, this is the interesting bit. I think we'd, you know, myself and Murph last week had, had mooted the, the idea of Gatlin coming back to take over for the world cup. And we've kind of, I suppose, I suppose we were all, we were all kind of on board with that as a, as potential. And then this morning, this kind of longer term scenario was, uh, was then reported in the press and then he's come out, signed the contract. Having read the last, you know, the, the kind of the transcript of his, of his first interview in charge, it sounds like he's very much focused on that first stint as rugby mm-hmm. world cup. And then we kind of don't know what's after, but he's potentially open to it. So it's all a little bit unclear there. What do you think about that, Murph? I mean, first of all, the short-term appointment, and then is he the right guy in the longer term? Yeah, that's the only bit that um, kind of caught me off balance with this decision. Really, is the option of twenty twenty-seven. Mm. I don't see what I don't see what the point is. Uh, like um, Dan alluded to some of the reaction. You know, I've seen people uh, saying we'll see what Gatland is like without Sean Edwards mm. to help him, and various different things like that, and. Look, the main thing was we, uh, and I, I'm, I'm repeating myself here. Main thing, I feel like doing a Joe Lysett actually and saying uh, I'm actually a massive Wayne Peebag fan. <laughs> People don't know this about me. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. The main thing is they couldn't keep. They just couldn't keep Wayne Peebag. It would have been. It was beyond the point where there, there was any any grey area. You just couldn't keep him. And the only bloke available, judging by who you know the, the betting, who was in the betting to take over, and all those blokes' names, uh, people who are under contract at other clubs or other unions or someone else. The only book available was Gatland. So it was obvious, I think. Uh, you know, there was stuff in the paper about England chasing him, what have you, but th- no one else was available to Wales. That was the issue. Uh, and, and that's that's where we are, why we are where we are. But uh, the, and, and like I said, the only thing that's caught me, um, caught me off guard is the option of longer. To me, they should be scouring now or negotiating hard with someone to be the long-term replacement after the World Cup. But maybe this is a, just an insurance if no one wants to come. Uh, <laughs> Gatland is a fallback in case they can't get... So we, uh, so we don't have to sack another well, coach and then get him to come back a third time? Yeah, yeah, I guess, yeah. I, I, well, I, I mean, I hope they've learned their lesson. You know, yeah. we, we talked about the... the 
amount of uh, pedigree they need to take a job like this. Um, and I hope they've learned a lesson there. But uh, um, yeah, I, I, I'm assuming, you know, it took them a week, didn't it? It took them a week from when we were, and I'm assuming that's just nego- uh, contract negotiations with Gatland, obviously, and also how much they were willing to um, sever uh, Wayne with, how much he was going to get for that. And that's what's, what's, I assume that's what's taking so long. Uh, I mean, when they said review, there was nothing to there was nothing to fucking review, was there? You could see the you could see the win percentage. You know, you could just I could do that on a whiteboard for them. I just write down won this much, lost that much. There's a your review, lads. Now fucking hurry up and sack him. I uh, I would pay good money to uh, to sit in the room as you deliver, as you deliver that. <laughs> Seriously, you Seriously that? good when money. Ju- when we're just going to bring in our ex- <laughs> yeah. our independent yeah. consultant. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you know, if, if, funny, funny enough, um, I think it was uh, three out of 12 games won this year. That's correct. Mm. Well, if you hadn't, I know it's if, but if you hadn't been so terrible against Italy and Georgia and managed to win that game and then uh, hadn't been so terrible to, to give away a 21-point uh, lead against Australia. Either they had a fifty percent record this season. I know that obviously this is a very big if because they they were against Italy in particular. You know they were that was first choice people and they were shit. Uh, but he'd be a fifty percent win record. It probably keeps his job mm. right through to the World Cup. It would have sorted problems down the line. But we, we would have all been disgruntled here on, and everyone would have been, God, he's terrible. Da, da, da. But if he hadn't just, if he just managed not to cock up those three games, he would, he would still be in situ now. He would. And I think the other thing that's worth bearing in mind is, yes, you know, you can conduct a review of this season or the Autumn Internationals or whatever. I mean, if you were to conduct a review into the last three years, with the exception of the biggest freak championship that has been known to man plays played behind closed doors against almost exclusively 14 men um it's it's been an it's been a close to unmitigated disaster i would say so you know it's um it's it's more than just this but you're right he very he very easily could have survived and there was no you know i I think it was only in the summer wasn't it nigel walker was saying he's our man you know he's our man for the job um yeah i know there's a certain degree if you've got to say that while he's in situ but they've um yeah, they've they've ended up where we are, and and like you said, the, there's one man who's capable of of taking that role, who's fully qualified to do it, and and we've got him. Um, Dan, how real do you think that England poaching him threat is? Because if I'm honest, I think they would, I think they were definitely after him. Yeah, I think <clears throat> I think there was definitely conversations going on. I would have said between you know, be just going back and forth between the WO and RFU, and that's probably why that might be where the you know, the extended contract, I suppose, talks, as you said, it's, it's grey, isn't it? Um, have, you know, have come from... I, I wouldn't rule out Gatlin going to England, you know, maybe in... Uh, you know, maybe in 12 maybe in twelve months' time, but he's... There's now a conversation that can go in a different, in a different direction, isn't it? I mean, money always, money always talks, doesn't it? And it's, a, it's just... It's a great gig for him, isn't it? It's a great gig. He's going to take us from, you know, we're in a, we're not as bad a side as we're as we're playing at the moment. That that's for sure. Just him stepping into the change room alone, I think, would make it would make a big difference. Well, we said last week, if you look at the the World Cup draw, now all right, we've just lost to Australia and to Georgia, 
but I would, you know, you would back Gatland to get out of that pool. And thereafter, it's England or Argentina, realistically. Now, both of those games, look, when you, when you consider how tough Test Match Rugby is at the moment and how many brilliant sides there are in the world or how many incredibly hard sides there would be to beat, you can't really argue with that as a, as a, as a potential quarterfinal. So there's, there, there is a realistic chance that, um, that if they get this right with a good preparation and restore some confidence and get the, the team selection right, then there's every chance of a, of a really good World Cup run here, I'd say. Not really a question. Yeah, not is. really a question, but <laughs> I think I think also with Gatland, we have to look at with, with with the state of the Welsh game and the way in which the the professional players must be feeling. He's a he's a very good coach, isn't he? Maybe technically, right? He isn't he isn't the best coach out there. I think he's even admitted that. But he gets very good. You know, what he does is he gets the players to feel feel fantastic, doesn't he? And they all walk a bit taller, and he's he's just wonderful at that. And that's where I'm massively excited, is because we need someone that's going to come in there and have that impact instantly. Like, there's very very good coaches out there across the world, and as Murph's alluded to, they're not available at the moment. He is, and he will definitely get make an impact in terms of that man management on the side. It's what we need. It is. I mean, the the remarkable thing about this this change, I can't remember who's. I think it might have been James Stafford. I, I saw a tweet this earlier. Who's um, been on this pod before if you if you exclude 1987 and the times Gatlin's been in charge Wales have changed their coach in the lead up to every single World Cup it's um it's absolutely astonishing really but this time round, I think the bigger risk like we said was was sitting on your sitting on your hands and, and hoping for the best now if you compare what's going on down the M4 I think England find themselves in a really, really tricky situation, right? Because they've got now a choice of sticking with Eddie Jones, trying to get someone like Steve Borthwick to to come and take the job when they buy him out of, buy him out of his contract. And I think he's on quite a long contract at Leicester. And you know he has, yes, he has coaching experience, but he's not um, he's not got international head coach experience, and he's got you know kind of a couple of seasons of head coach experience under his belt. It's um, you know that that's kind of the, the choice they're faced with because, as Murph said, there is no one else available. So, as much as I'm loath to admit it, I think that you know I think that the WI've got this one right, Murph. Definitely, yeah, definitely. I, I, the only question now for me is um, who um, who he who he uses or keeps or doesn't keep in his uh, backroom staff and his coaching staff. Um, as far as far as um, the options, they you know. It, it, that that betting market was an absolute Christmas bonus for the <laughs> for the bookmakers because mm-hmm. it was only one. I know he was favourite, but all, all the other short price guys like Scott Robertson and I can't remember who was after that now, but they were never going to happen. <laughs> they were never happening. So all the money they've taken, or if they've taken much, I don't know, uh, was just it was just a Skinner for them. You know, it, 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 the, the WIU probably even when they were flush weren't in. Uh, weren't um, ever likely to splash out massive amounts of money to get someone out of their contract anyway. They were always more likely to wait for someone, you know, even when they had a relatively um, healthy bank balance. But right now, post-COVID, it was never, it was never, unless someone maybe was contracted till May, say say someone's contracted at the end of this season, maybe that was a goer, but I don't know who that would be like, you know, so there was only really one runner in this race, as far as I'm concerned, and um, they had to make sure that England didn't get him. 
Yeah, I'm a, I, I kind of regret putting that tenor on Alan Kerbishley getting the job now, which is a bit of a, <laughs> uh, which is a, bit of a mistake. Uh, let's go back to that coaching point, though, Murph. You're absolutely right. A lot of people pointing out that Sean Edwards isn't there and he was so integral to, to part of the... Well, to, to every bit of that Welsh success. And he got, he's inherited a backroom staff. He said in his press conference, I haven't even thought about that yet, but... I think he will have, and I imagine he's probably had words with the union about which ones he wants to he wants to keep already. That would be my guess. You know, he'll have an idea out of. I'd have thought so, yeah. Which of them, and the name Rob Howley kind of keeps doing doing the rounds. Could you see him making a return, Murph? Um, I don't know. Uh, I mean, if Gatlin wants him, that's that's what's going to happen. You know, um, I just hope they. I, I, I just from a personal point of view, I hope they keep. Jonathan Humphreys. Mm. I think he's done a much better job of the forwards than uh, any other recent forwards coach we've had because we've got a driven line out now, which is effective. Uh, admittedly, Australia thirds couldn't cope with it, but even strong sides uh, struggle with our driven line out. And the scrum with um, relatively lightweight front row forwards has been really good. You know, we held our own against South Africa in the summer most of the time. And that you wouldn't have expected that in years gone past. So um, I hope he gets kept. I don't, I, whether Steve Jones is too closely aligned to Wayne Pivak to keep, I don't know. But um, that would be a straightforward swap, obviously, if Ollie's coming. And then the, the big question then is the um, defence coach. Because defence is probably probably the worst aspect of our play uh, in recent, uh, say, I don't know, the last... Well, in, certainly in the autumn, anyway. Yeah, and of course it was... All the success was built on having a, having a solid defence, wasn't it? It was invariably mm. defence and fitness and a good kicking game that that led Wales to success. What do you think, Dan? Which which areas can you see changes in? I think John Humphreys will keep. I think Humphreys will keep his position. And if we look at what the players think as well, so many players speak really highly of him, don't they? And I think that's going to be a key, you know, a key part of it. I think we probably will see. A change of defence, probably. Um, I, I I wonder whether. Uh, I tell you what, I'd, I'd be. I'd love to see how Gatland would would do with the, you know, with the existing coaching team that's there, because mm-hmm. I just think so much of it does come down to that main person, and the main person has been changed. Yeah. So, you know. Gatlin will Gatlin will know what he wants already. I think he would have had a it'll be part of his game plan, but to see what he could do with the existing place, we do need to have some change, don't we? We can't go fully back to exactly what we had what we had previously because you know then I can understand the argument that we are you know potentially not moving move you know moving forward. I think we can move forward with him and see what he can get out of the get out of the other coaches that are there. Because if you're working under someone you don't believe in and it's, it comes top down, that's it's as simple as that. Um you know will we see um name slip my mind now um Scottish worked with the Scottish defence Steve Tandy. Steve Tandy, yeah Ospreys will Steve Tandy Mm. Be around. Well, the, the other option, the other issue there is that changing those guys means more severance pay. Mm. So there, there might be a temptation to try and yeah, keep them. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure this. 
I'm sure this will have been factored in. I mean, you can get you can guarantee one thing with Steve Phillips is he will have been, he will have run a spreadsheet about uh, how much this is going to cost him, <laughs> won't he? Um, yeah. As big a fan as he is of Gatland, he's um, he will be he will be watching the pennies. I'm, I mean, I'm sure this will have been factored in when you when you bring in a head coach, particularly someone of Gatland's of Gatland's kind of pedigree. He's not likely to want. He's not likely to to want to inherit a coaching staff. I think you know. I think he. I imagine, and this is just my pure speculation. I imagine he would have been given reassurances he can bring in as and when. Be all right. He, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if that severance pay has been factored in. You've then got to go and buy Steve Tandy out of his out of his contract. And like you said, Murph, most most decent defence coaches are going to be um, are going to be in in employment at the moment anyway, aren't they? I mean, the other thing is yeah. he knows he knows some of these guys. He's coached with Stephen Jones at the yeah. 2019 World Cup, so I'm sure he will have an opinion based on that. And Gethin Jenkins, he knows, and obviously I, I believe had a really good relationship with as a player. He picked him relentlessly, didn't he? So um, I'm right. I'm mm. probably right in thinking Gethin was one of the few who kind of went out on his own terms. I think rather <laughs> than being kind of cut. I think if memory serves. Um, mm. Pick, picking Gethin Jenkins is hardly a matter of loyalty, though. When you, you know, he's just, he's just the best prop you've ever had. Well, you say that. I mean, you look at some of the, some of those who, who, who kind of, you know, were, were jettisoned when Gatlin thought they were gone. You know, the Adam Joneses of this world. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, but the, he's not, a, he's not on the same level as Gethin, Jen, Gethin Jenkins. Interesting. In terms of his impact, he, I'd argue it was, I'd argue it was potentially bigger. But that's probably because. Um, there was no other tight end in the country. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, the the, um, the one that sticks out about Gethin Jenkins when he passed, when he retired or passed some sort of milestone on caps, the, the, uh, I think Jonathan Thomas said um, the best way to judge a player who gets to that massive amount of caps is to say how many caps would they have had if they were from New Zealand. Mm. And he said the answer with Gethin Jenkins is exactly the same as, as if he was from mm. if, as if as he had been in Wales. And so I just think this is, I don't know why I'm bringing up this point. I think it's a bit different. Any, anyone who was coaching Wales would have picked Gethin Jenkins every single time. No, I agree on that. And I'm glad we didn't go, I'm, I'm glad we didn't go down that wormhole because we've got enough to get through tonight as well, haven't we? <laughs> yeah. um, absolutely, uh, absolutely sons to get through. Right, what are we looking like on the time front? Shall we take a quick break? We will indeed take a quick break. And afterwards, we will be chatting about some of the players we think that Gatland might be, uh, might be, getting on the phone too and giving a recall. And we're also going to be looking at the fact that there is a, a verbal agreement or a supposed verbal agreement between the regions and the union with regards to funding. Uh, we might even take a little look at the 60 cap rule, which has come under uh, come under scrutiny again over the last few days. And all of that is coming up in the second half. Right, boys, straight into it with the second half. No room for a breather. No room for for Murph to nip off and get another can of uh, San Miguel. Um, that's not the that's not the way it works on a night like tonight. Um, before we get on to the to the regional thing, which, as we said last week, Murph, <laughs> this doesn't solve everything, does it? Um, appointing a, a head coach, but it's also a bloody big thing in order to. Um, in order to look at so we will be looking at the bigger picture in a moment as well but in the meantime I wanted to indulge Dan Killick because I know he'll be he'll have he'll have been thinking about this uh, from the minute Gatlin's name was mooted um, Dan which players do you think uh, will be excited about the return of Gatland and, and might well be headed back into that squad well he's already in the squad but I think I think he'll be big for Alan Wynne-Jones 
Um, I think Alan Wynne Jones would be a would be a big part of um, uh, you know this the, the move towards the Six Nations and then and then the World Cup. And I I mentioned to you I wouldn't be at all surprised if you know Gallen's having conversations with him about potentially moving him into the you know into the coaching setup afterwards just to com- always make sure that change rooms on board, which we have had. It's been an issue for in Wales, hasn't it? Before um, you, you you've got to make sure you've got that change room and. We seem to have more emotion than most, so maybe uh, I could see that happening. I think Reese Carey um, probably should leave, probably should pass the ball over to Murph now for uh, for this one on Reese Carey. But Gallon's a Gallon's a big fan, isn't he? He's been playing playing really well. Carey will be will be coming back into that side, won't he? Um, someone else, I think, as well at, at, at Cardiff that will come back. Both of them, I think, he'll be. Uh, I, d- I did see this. I did see this kind of doing the rounds on Twitter, and I, I really like Jim Botham. I think he's a great player. But as we said last week, it's just like who does he jump ahead of in the pecking order? Well, I know it's I, impossible. I, yeah, it's really hard when you look at it like that. But I think it's the. I think it's the. It's how he gets that balance. Gallon tends to get get a balance right, doesn't he? In the you know in the front row, uh, um, and the and the back row. So it's how he how both of how he'd fit in with that. I mean, he's a big fan of Jack Morgan as well, isn't he? So we've already mentioned two that, you know, there's going to be some really disappointed players, but I back, we, we know Gatlin can select a team, can't he? Mm-hmm. He can select a team. He can select a squad and, you know, they'll, he'll back them, won't he? He'll make them believe in themselves and he'll give them an opportunity to, to keep going. So, um, I think he's, he's someone that, that will be involved. Um, sorry, you can hear my dog in the background. He's got something to say. I think. Um, Angling for a recall. He's, he's not buying it either. <laughs> no, he's not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Should be supporting me, shouldn't he? Yeah. Um, I think Alistair Arf's going to be going to be um, going to be big. I think, I think it's going to be like, made a lot more straightforward by the fact that bigger will probably be fit by the Six Nations when he's so. Mm. Bigger, bigger, yeah. bigger Anscombe, and then and then kind of a another whether he fancies Sheedy or Costello or um, or someone else entirely. But you know whether whether a Patchell was fit or a Jared Evans. But I don't know. For me, it feels like it's like a, like that will probably be a bit more one of the more straightforward positions. I reckon. He's a massive fan of Anscombe, isn't he? Mm. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Exactly. Um, as, as we know, Anscombe was starting ten. In Gatland's yeah. last season, it was only the injury at Twickenham that, that put pay to that. Yeah, so I think I think Gatland will be looking to use Anscombe if he if he if he's fit. I think he'll start. You know, he'll, he'll start him every is every time. Obviously, bigger, yeah, bigger sorts, bigger sorts that out. And we got to we got to look at picking a third and then sticking with him. If that's mm. Costello, then you know we we, we stick with him. Um. But yeah, I think for me, the mo- a lot of the side will, a lot of the players, are, are, are good enough. He'll just he'll just make he'll just make a big difference with his, you know, with his presence. That's that's the that's the biggest thing that he does, isn't he? he makes people feel you know feel really good and believe in themselves. And I, I just had a thought that we're nowhere near as bad as that as 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 we played. We we've just we just collapsed, haven't we, in games. We've looked decent. We've looked half decent at times, and then other times we've looked absolutely diabolical. And that's with a side that's constantly chopping and changing mm-hmm. all the time. So, 
Um, I don't think there's anybody sort of massively I could call out and say, look, he'll be bringing this, you know, you know, this person, this person back in. And that's a Gatland, that's a Gatland type player. But Reese Carey is one of them that I think will come straight back into the fold and he's probably rubbing his hands together right now, Carey. Yeah. What do you reckon, Murph? Any players who um, perhaps, not even just that Pivak didn't fancy, but any players that you think Gatland will be excited to work with who he didn't get a chance to work with first time round? Um, good question, that, because it's a, it's, a, it's a job to remember exactly who's come through since 2019 altogether. Uh, definitely, I mean, he, he, he worked with Rhys Kelly. Rhys Kelly was at the last World Cup, but he's definitely going to come back. Pavel Mendes is the best form he's ever shown. And also, the three boys who got picked in the autumn are all very similar to each other in mm, a way, the way they right, play. Yeah. Uh, Carey's like the, the best ball carrier in the Cardiff side. Pretty much, mm. Falatawa side, obviously, but uh, and would would you know people say he switches off in games because of fitness or whatever? But uh, give him fifty minutes. Most of them only play fifty-five anyway. Give him fifty minutes and then and then bring on um, uh, Gareth Thomas or whoever you want to bring on after that. But in the meantime, you've had all these heavy carries from Reese Carey. So um, even if he doesn't end up starting any games, he's definitely going to make the squad now. With, um, Catlin's back, I'd have thought. Ross Moriarty is going to get looked at again. Uh, yeah. uh, the other thing, of course, you mentioned Dan Bigger is going to make selection at uh, 10 easier if he's fit again in the new year. You can't be far away for um, uh, Liam Williams either. Mm. You know, that's going to make things easier for you as well. Because then, then you go back to Liam Williams, Josh Adams, uh, and uh, um, uh, Reese Zamet. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but, It'd be interesting to see. Look, the, the, uh, one guy that we've talked about many times as um, Pivac's favourite, Nick Nick Tompkins, uh, for a long I was time. About this earlier, actually. Yeah, I, I think he still own, earns his place at the moment because he's now playing well. Whereas when Pivac first had selected him, well, we, we've been over there loads of times. He wasn't actually doing playing doing that well. For, well, doing nowhere near as well for Wales as he was for Saracens. So. Um, but he's much better now since the summer, I think, in the Welsh side. Yeah. Uh, so he might get kept with. I'll be interested to see. And, and uh, the players, it's more the players that Pivac doesn't fancy. The I've heard you say doesn't fancy him, doesn't fancy yeah. him. So doesn't fancy Reese Webb. Is he too old? We well, if he's too old, so is uh, Reese Priestland. And he doesn't fancy Seb Davis. And that that might be. He might be right. But there's not enough second rows around in the country mm. for us just for us to discard someone as big and heavy and uh, as athletic as Seb Davis. So, I mean, uh, on the last squad, it would have been, he would have been competing with uh, Ben Carter for yeah. his position. Um, I, I don't, I don't think Ben Carter has been outstanding. No, this I, year. I'd, I'd agree actually. And I think he's, a, he's still a massive prospect, but he, you know, he's kind of got stuck in that, that kind of tricky second album yeah. place at the moment. And, um, yeah. and, you know, I'm sure there'll be more to come, but, I, th I think if you were to look at that selection on form, it was a slightly curious one, particularly because he got actually quite a, uh, quite a bit of rugby in the um, in the autumn. You know, he, he, mm. played, he played quite yeah. a bit. Um, mm. Something else I wanted. Jed, I got a couple. Got... I got a couple of others actually that, oh. that have popped into my head. So with, your with, dog's with fitness, handed I... you a note. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, he did. Um, I knew there was a couple in there with. Um, Elliot Elliot D yeah. with 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 the run of games. Gatlin likes him. 
he really likes he really likes um Elliot D's work rate, doesn't he? He mentioned it on you know on the pod, I think, when we were speaking when we were speaking to him. So he's some Dewey Lake he, he mentions quite regularly as well, doesn't he? Yeah. Um I think so I think, I think he's the kind of I think he's the kind of player that he'll be he'll be looking at. You know, I, I don't think he's gonna jettison Ken Owen. I think he'll be he'll be looking to get him through a through that through that World Cup as well. But I think Lake is a player who's got um, obviously, it's unlucky that he got injured this time round, but he's got so much potential, and I think he's a, he's a player that that Gatlin will really, really fancy. And I think there might be a few other out of these youngsters as well that he thinks, do you know what? You're good enough. Go out there and, and show it. And I think that that Shunzer and Jenkins might fall into that category as well. You know, they're they're players that yeah. have got so much so much potential ability. And Reese Davis as well. I think. Um... You know, a hard, hard bloke, isn't he? Abrasive. I know we're all we're all big fans of we're all big mm-hmm. fans of him, aren't we? There's there's a, there's a good number of youngsters. I think when Gatlin looks at the identity of the side as well, we we look like a side that was we didn't really know we didn't have a yeah we didn't know what we were doing. Um, I think he'll look at he look at some of those younger players and maybe build a side around those move you know moving forward like he did with Warburton maybe. You know, could could Jack Morgan be that guy? I think he could be, yeah. um, and I think he'll put in those structures that um, that we need. Really, how, yeah. how many open side flankers are you going to get in this side, Dan? Do you yeah, well, this is the thing. There's going to be four or five in there, I think. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> the, the, the best on form now, actual on pitch form, the best open side in the country is Thomas Young. Thomas Young is dominating matches all over the place against South Africans away. I would uh, I would argue Jack Morgan he, is dominating games at Test match level, which trumps that. Sure, but uh, at club level, it's not only not only not only is his play, but he's he's outpacing backs all the time. Yeah. Which is yeah. I've never noticed him do that when he was younger. So he's quite uh, he's been around quite a while, Thomas Young, yeah, and nice. he's getting quicker, which is really really unusual um and and it's just no room you know there's just it doesn't matter you know I, I can't see him i can't see him getting the, the starting jersey uh at all uh, thomas Young, but he he's playing better than anyone right now um and and just uh as far as the players you've mentioned there the other the other side of that coin is whether he calls anyone like we mentioned earlier, Adam Jones, Jamie Roberts, the various people got cold. Even Martin Williams was yeah. cold early, left hanging on 99 was, and then yeah. the other thing. It'd be interesting to see if any of this uh, generation get the uh, get the chop. Go on, Murph, straight mm. back at you. Anyone, do you reckon? Well, there's prime candidates all over the size. <laughs> Reese Priestland, Ken Owens, Alan Jones. I don't think he would do those, but they are prime. I th- they I are, think they Reece, are. I think Reese Priestland goes... Oh yeah, I do. Yeah, I, I think you know. The, That's not even controversial, no, is it? Well, no, I, I, I you know, um, I th- but the other two is. Yeah. The other two yeah, are. I, I should say. But yeah. I don't think. I don't think he will. I think he will. I think he will be exploring other options. But I could see him saying to Alan Jones, you know, get, it's not like he's got to get Alan Jones to the next World Cup when he's got three and a half years to go. He's just got to go mm. get get. Can I get ten months out of Alan Jones in the squad? Yeah. And will he be an asset? And I think. There's one in there he discarded already, who is now back again. Who's that? Dan Lydiard. Well, when we spoke to him, Murph, and you obviously haven't listened to this yet, yeah. um, he said he was the player who was most... <laughs> accept- when we asked him out of the current crop who he'd like most like yeah. to work with, he said Dan Lydiard. Right. So I think... But he's the guy who chopped him. 
before the last World Cup. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, quite. And then quite he came back under Wayne. Yeah, quite a bit before yeah. that, actually. Um, yeah, yeah, he did. But yeah, you know, the game the game moves on, doesn't it? And I think there are there are points. Mm. You know, we we've said this before, Murph. You know, there are points in time where every side in the world is trying to pick twin fetchers. You know, at six and seven, mm. and mm. and certainly Lydia, you know, was just an out and out old six. They changed the tackle laws, so you know, anything that vaguely resembled a no arms tackle was getting penalised a lot more. Um, mm. Which you know made him a bit more susceptible. He obviously didn't didn't have that explosive ball carrying, and these are all areas that he's, that he's worked on, and he still remains the best tackler. You know, arguably the best tackler in the Northern Hemisphere. Um, mm. So, I, so I, I think I think he'll be. I think if Gatland had stayed on the whole time, I think he would have picked Lydia anyway, and I think he w- I think he will again. Yeah, interesting. Uh, um, There's big calls to make in quite a few positions, like number nine, uh, the nine jersey as well. Uh, Gareth Davis, whether or not they, you know, he gets revived or not, or whether he, um, well, Keenan Hardy is one of Wayne's boys. Yeah, yes, I, yeah, absolutely. And and he's getting outplayed at his club, not 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 just at international. That was yeah. getting outplayed by Dame Blacker. So I think Gatland few... will fancy Thomas Williams. He's worked with him before. Um, oh yeah, I yeah. Yeah, I think you know, I think he was the heir apparent. <laughs> Gareth, Gareth Davis is an interesting one because um, he's just not been playing particularly well in the last couple of seasons. So I think he'll have a fair bit of work to do. Um, mm. And you mentioned him earlier. Tompkins is a fascinating one because if we expect Gatlin to pick a side based on the way that he has done in the past, Tompkins is not the kind of player he would be going for, I don't think. You know, I, I think he will be looking for... If he's looking for a more creative 12, I think he might put his faith in screaming Joe Hawkins. And mm. if um, he's looking for a bit more bulk, I think he might look at Max Llewellyn. Yeah. Mm. What do you, you think, Daniel? Oh, yeah, I've been really impressed with um, with Tomkins. So I'm saying it and laughing because I know that we we gave him a um, we gave him a tough time, didn't we? But um, yeah, maybe right, maybe rightly so though. Um, I think he's been really good though. Over over the last few games, and North's obviously North's a shoe in, isn't he? Mm. Oh, He's yeah, an absolute shoe in. Yeah, that 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 other centre berth is going to be is going to be interesting. But I think Tom Tompkins has got it at the moment. Um, Tom, Tompkins is a player who kind of likes a bit of a free role, though, doesn't he? You know, he like he might like to switch direction. He might, you know, he's not a kind of play by the playbook kind of player. And you know, yeah. sometimes that creates a sixty-yard break. Other times, it means running down a blind alley. And that's the thing that I, I don't know. You know, is not something that historically Warren Gatland would probably have been looking for in the twelve. So that's where I, that's where I could see. You know, I think Tomkins in the last year has been one of the best performers, one of the best performers for Wales. It's, um, it's just whether or not he, he would fit into a, a Gatland-style game plan that, like you said. There's going to be a, an identity and a, and a style of play to come in, and I suppose we're all expect. Well, I'm certainly expecting it to be quite similar to to what it was um, first time round. Yeah, it'll be. Yeah, I would have thought it'd be a basic game and and power, won't it? And and us going forward, but he does like players the point of difference, doesn't he? So maybe you know maybe be in a bench you know bench mm-hmm. position, um, and having those players that will come on and. He's quite open about players' players' weaknesses, isn't he? And and um, but he, yeah, I know we know that he likes someone that can change up a game, and he is someone that he is someone that can, can't he? 
Um, another player, I think, as well as Nicky Smith. Nicky, I think we'll, I think under Gatland, we'll um, we'll see more of him as well. Uh, right, let's throw this one over to you, Murph, and and this kind of leads us on to the to the bigger picture in Welsh rugby. As we said when we came into the second half, and we said numerous times, um, this is not the only issue. There are huge issues up and down um, up and down the game. But it looks as though we're edging closer towards a deal between um, between the unions, uh, sorry, between the union and the regions. The one thing I think is quite interesting, though, is is kind of putting their their faith in Gatland. Is this another indicator that they're going down the top heavy route again? That it's like right, we have to keep the the national side successful, pack out in the millennium every week, and and hope for the best. Um. Well, it. I mean, it. The, the trouble with um, saying we're top heavy, mm. uh, I'm not disagreeing. We are we are top heavy, but it pays the bills, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and and the the thing to remember in Wales is people are not not as into rugby as they claim to be. Yeah. If their local side was playing really well, they probably wouldn't go and watch it. I mean, the 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 Welsh rugby support support <laughs> the Welsh rugby support in public in inverted commas probably wouldn't go down their local club, and most of them we know because of the numbers who attend don't go to watch their regional games either. So there has to be it has to be top heavy in terms of the earning because people don't go every Saturday to watch rugby like losers like I will, you know, losers like myself. Um, so it, that was that, that lack. That's not going to change. It, you know, the, the the cash cow that is the stadium, it doesn't matter what they do, that's that's gonna that's gonna stay because people are not gonna suddenly turn up packing out um uh Swansea.com stadium or whatever they call it now. And likewise, you know, uh, very rarely sells out uh the Arms Park, although the crowds aren't terrible, but they very rarely sells out, and the same for Rodney Parade. So it the earnings is always gonna be it doesn't matter what we do, the, the earnings is gonna be that stadium. Um the question is, is how much of it ends up um, in the hands of the regional uh, sides? And I, 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 I've heard from you, actually, <laughs> that there's been a verbal agreement on the deal, but I haven't heard any um, any flesh beyond that. So Yeah, I don't think we have a great deal of flesh yet. And again, it's um, kind of story was breaking not too long before we came on air, actually being reported by... Uh, um, by Steph um, in his new position over at the Wales Online. Um, so yeah, I, I think you know. Hopefully, we'll know a bit more about that. It's important to stress it's mm. not a signed deal yet, but it's the first pos- you know kind of positive soundings that we've heard come out of this for, for quite some time. What, what I will say, Jed, is it was coming across um, as an outsider looking in that there was just a, a massive bout of indecisiveness going throughout the Welsh Rugby Union because they, they were... Uh, if, maybe if they had an end game where they were trying to squeeze the regions mm-hmm. for a better deal, I, I don't know. But they were they were stalling on that yeah. and they were stalling on Wayne Pivak. You know, they could have they could have called Wayne Pivak in, in May. It would have been more expensive. But, uh, they, they, they could have done that. They could have called him in autumn 2020 and it would have been less expensive. I know we wouldn't have won the, yeah. the 2021 yeah. championship, but, mm. you know, with hindsight, that's long forgotten, isn't it? Yeah, so it, it was coming across to an outsider. It looked as though they were scared of making big decisions under the last chairman. Anyway, now we've got a new chairman in, and you know, only been there a week. Mate, I'm really Suddenly glad we... you brought this up. How much? Right. It, I mean, it's been a bloody busy first week for Yale yeah. Evans. 
Like, I mean, how much, how much of an impact do you think is that is down to him, or is this just a timing thing? What, what do you reckon? No idea. I, I, all I'm saying is he's been in the week, and we've had two big decisions made. Uh, probably not his decision to make it long. Because yeah, I, I, I get the impression it's more of a figurehead position than any anything too hands-on. Um, but he, he comes across better than interviews, I suppose, because he's familiar to everyone. Mm. You know, because he's actual, you know, rugby personality uh, as such so uh, I don't even, I don't know if you can give him any credit but th- it seems to have, seems to have whether things just came to a head and this is where we are there seems to be a change in approach where decisions are being made because in in the situation we're in now indecisiveness is worse than the wrong decision yeah, I agree. you just ha- if you get it wrong take it on the chin but we couldn't cruise along just nothing happening which is what we've been doing for shit knows how long a long time and and now they just need to keep being brave and and if they get it wrong that you know stand down you know uh it looks like the last chairman stood down because he couldn't convince the clubs to vote through a motion and that that's fine you know it's not a job for life anyway um so yeah i think more there's a lot of playing safe has been going on. That's the impression I get with people protecting their jobs and just playing safe. And um, I think, I hope um, this next, uh, what's the word, leadership mm-hmm. will be braver and just stick their neck out, you know. Dan, have you ever sold your own Evans house? I haven't, no. But I have, going back many years, sang a carol song <laughs> at his house. <laughs> um yeah, when he used to live uh, behind me in Cowbridge. So, yeah. That's a very well story, isn't it? Yeah, by t- <laughs> yeah. yeah. I used to play yeah. with his brother-in-law, former brother-in-law. Did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who play? Yes, went to Newport. Who's that? Oh, Jed will be happy then. Uh, I better not say it on air. All right. Because it's controversial, yeah. All right, well, anyway, let's, uh, let's, swiftly, let's swiftly move on. <laughs> Dan, I want to talk to you about the 60 cap rule, which again is something else that um, that kind of keeps cropping up in the last uh, in the last few days. Um, Dan Bigger kind of has hinted that it's it's perhaps time for it to go. Uh, Then you've you've got Shane Williams, a few others, kind of making making that point. This is set, and then against the backdrop of Will Rowlands leaving to go to to Racing 92. What do you think? Is has it? Is it now a question of have we got to let this go, or, or will this again be forgotten as the the regions start getting their playing budgets and hopefully are able to re-sign players and recruit again? Yeah, if this if this agreement, as you said, it's got a long, it's got a bit of a way to go, but there's actually you know something about to happen. Hopefully, then I think the sixty cap rule rule remains. You know, if they couldn't, if they can't get their act together, then Sadly, we probably would have to scrap it, wouldn't we? I think with Rowlands as well, I think he would have gone anyway. Do you? I do, yeah. I mean, it's it's a it's a I think there would be a very, very strong chance that it, that, that that he would have gone. If the if if the regions are performing better, because it's also it's also winning, isn't it? It's not purely the money is one thing as well, but they also want to they also want to win. Yeah. And and it is a lifestyle. And he at the age that he's at, if an offer comes in and it's going to come in for him, the, the, the quality is in that position at second row, even if he was offered the same amount of money with some certainty, I, I honestly think he'd probably still go. 
and it's not being talked about, but I think that's that's a that's the case. Yeah, they're attaching his possible departure to the uncertainty around the WA, but uh, the, the the deal for the regions or whatever. But it, it might just be that he he don't want to be at an unsuccessful URC team. Well, no, no, let's hang on a minute. Let's not be hasty here. Are we, are we implying he's going to win more games at Racing 92 than uh, than at the Dragons? Um, he's going to go deep into Europe. Well, he is. Uh, the flip side yeah. is that he may well miss out on his only chance to play at a Rugby World Cup. Yeah, probably still get... Uh, it, based on what um, Steph Thomas okay, has said on he? there in the past, is he'll still make the Lions toes. Well, yeah, maybe. Um I don't know. It's it's interesting that you know you're you're a bit more out of out of sight, out of mind if you're not playing international rugby, though, are you? You know, I know there are yeah. those okay. You know, Sam Simmons kind of springs to mind from the last tour, but it's a lot harder to get on there if you if you're not. Mm. I, I, that that's the bit. I, you know, like I <laughs> would I begrudge Will Rowlands going to play for Racing ninety two for a healthy paycheck. Absolutely not. I I just think the timing is perhaps the thing. Would we have got a one year extension out of him to get him past the World Cup? That's the bit I would say probably. You know, I think he might have stuck around if it meant that he would. Yeah, but this would be this would be um, this would be after the World no, Cup. No, it, it wouldn't. All oh, right. Well, immediate effect. Uh, end of the season. So yeah, but end of the season. End of the season. No would, international he wouldn't, players. He wouldn't be eligible to play for Wales under the the current sixty cap sixty right. cap rule. But usually, when someone moves clubs on this cycle, they don't join up before the World Cup. They stay with their country during all the World Cup, mm. and then in November, when the World Cup's over, then they join up with a new club. That's how it normally happens. Well, maybe I mixed that up with the Southern Hemisphere. I don't know, but. Um, that's normally how it works. You sign for next season, but because it's a World Cup year, you try not to play for that club until you until you've done your World Cup cycle first. Um, he'll definitely listen, be, he'll definitely be playing in the World Cup. Well, listen, Corny. if you if you go down to South Africa and then disrupt their lineout mm. pretty much single handedly, like he did in the summer, uh, checkbooks are going to get taken out all over Europe, um, and I think that it looks like that's what's happened. I don't know. I don't know what you can do, but um, I think he, Dartmouth know, will have had that written into his. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there'll be a new law. How big, um, how big is this contract? That <laughs> it's, it's a bit. Well, the RFU were in the background, weren't they? So there's a it's a big old contract. <laughs> he's not. He's north of thirty as well, isn't he? Uh, will Rowland. So you know how many more opportunities is he going to get to play in France or play anywhere exotic yeah. so um, well, he's done he's done Coventry and Newport so far you know what I mean so yeah well exactly you know now he's going to go slumming it in Paris um, yeah down and out in Paris yeah. <laughs> well according to according to Steph um, in his article last week that it would, it would require special dispensation from the um, uh, from the professional rugby board in order for Rollins to play in the World Cup maybe you know maybe they're happy to grant in that for, for the reasons that you mentioned, Murph, that it's yeah. you know, essentially his time's his time's kind of come to uh, come to an end. But look, I, I agree with your point, Dan. Look, realistically, does he want to stick around? Uh, both your points. Does he want to stick around at an unfashionable, unsuccessful URC club versus playing for a side that's competing for European honours? No, playing indoors in front of a massive cinema yeah, screen in, a, <laughs> in the world's biggest rave. Um, yes. yeah, it, yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. You know that that is probably the next best thing to play in at, Rod, at Rodney Parade. Yeah, <laughs> um, very similar. I, mean, I suppose the other thing with this sixty cap rule is, you know, yes, one part of it is keeping players in Wales. The other part is the is the preparation time that you get um, 
you know, particularly around the, the autumn and not having to release players back during the Six Nations. Um, you know, how much how much of a of a big factor is that is that Murph? You know, how important is it to to keep it for those for those kind of reasons? Oh, definitely. I mean, I don't know why the sixty cap rule is even vaguely controversial. Every country in the in the well, not every country because some of them can't afford to, but every country that can keeps all their players in their country. If you leave New Zealand, you can't play for New Zealand. If you leave France, you can't play for France. If you leave England, you can't play for England. So why we, why we're not allowed to do that? Why, why Welsh rugby fans think we're not allowed to stop people playing for their country if they leave the country, but other countries can? I don't know, but it, it it's be, it's for very sound reasons why you need all your best players to be playing in your country to keep your domestic league vaguely alive or your domestic clubs vaguely alive and then have better access to them for the national side from there. If it's such a bad idea, why does Ireland, England, France, all these countries do it? The ones who don't do it are the ones who economically just cannot get past it. So South Africa, the economy was so bad, they could not physically keep people in the country. That's why they're in that situation. And the same goes for Australia and and, uh, and Scotland. Scotland's another one. They're just not enough money in their two clubs to be able to stop players like uh, Stuart Hogg leaving the country. But if you can do it, they all do it. So why it's controversial, it fucking mystifies me. Yeah, it's a great point. I, the the main voices of dissent I think you often hear are from kind of two development. Camps. One are from players yeah. who want to go and play abroad. And again, I don't I don't begrudge them that. You know, if you if you've got a chance to pick up a better paycheck, have a you know a more rich, enriching life experience and and experience a different a different style of rugby then yes i can understand why you would want to do that and still play for your your country um but again you're going to be looking at that through your own personal lens and then the other camp that you hear it from is i guess people who only watch um international rugby and feel aggrieved that you know whoever it is that that player at that moment in time can't get picked I'll play. you know mm. so um so yeah, some uh, interesting interesting points. Um, do you want to finish with a quick regional roundup? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, the Dragons did well on the on the, uh, after their first half to play like they did in the second half. Yeah, it's tremendous. Um, it's tremendous, isn't it? Like when you're twenty eight nil down and you go, actually, yeah, they were the side. Uh, they, they were the side did well. Ospreys well, had a half decent showing, I suppose. We given that they've well, got E. coli yeah. in the camp. Yeah, and uh, Cardiff uh, fell in a hole after the heroics of last mm. week. But you know the the point I, I think I made the point last week. They were averaging thirty one point losses last last season. Yeah, what was that against Six, South Africa eight, away? Yeah. And now all those games were fifteen points apart from the Cardiff. All those games were sort of fifteen points or less. And so we're either dragging South African regional provincial sides down to our level, or we've raised our game or maybe we're better prepared now that we know what's coming kind of thing but uh, that's it's although it's awful you know also all four sides getting well beaten uh, it is actually uh, an up it's actually an upturn on last season yeah and you did say this last season when all four regions went over there and took a hammer in is they did come back and the following couple of games were just a lot more physical because they'd mm. you know been on a you know it, a training exercise with the hardest forwards in the world. Yeah, you've been getting schooled in how to yeah. break tackles and uh, and stay on your feet and all that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Um. Yeah. Fair enough. Seems like it seems like a good uh, point to finish. Anything else to add, Dan? <laughs> Re- regions or, or otherwise? 
No, I'm quite happy with uh, Merv summing that up there. Thanks, me. <laughs> Good work, fellas. Uh, right, well, look, uh, on a bizarre day of uh, rugby, even by Welsh standards, um, it's been a pleasure to chat to you two. So thank you very much indeed for joining us. Thanks to everyone for listening as well. Um, if you're struggling for Christmas presents, then you could do a lot worse than checking out our sponsors' uh, Christmas coffee ranges. So head over to socoffeetrades.co.uk um, as... Christmas hampers and all kinds of other stuff that you can get on there for anyone who's interested in coffee. And if rugby is more your thing, then um, make sure you uh, you check out uh, Rugby's Greatest Mavericks. We had the um, the author Luke Upton on with us recently, and that was a great chat. I've read it, um, and uh, it's a really good, fun read. So anyone who uh, who uh, romanticises about rugby from a a different era or just those kind of interesting characters um like you two pair of mavericks um then it's uh, it's definitely worth checking out um but yeah who knows what will happen between now and uh, and next week i'm sure uh, i'm sure there'll be lots of interesting things and if not we'll be back to bemoan uh welsh regional sides taking a pump in so um thanks for listening we'll be back to chat rugby with you next week powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Everyone thinks I had a storybook career, that I just sprang into Disney Channel stardom overnight, made millions, and lived happily ever after. Spoiler alert, I didn't. There were countless failures along the way, and there still are. How I deal with that struggle and how I pivot when failure creeps in is what allows me to keep going, keep learning, and keep striving for balance. The Vulnerable Podcast is an invitation to hang out every week with me, Christy Carlson Romano, as I invite friends, celebrities, and experts for in-depth conversations discussing the good, the complicated, the beauty of being human, and what it means to be vulnerable. Join me every Tuesday as we navigate the ups and downs of my guests' paths to success. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.